We're in a series, we just started it last week, and it's a series on moving past your past. Too many people get stuck in the past. Too many people, this would be like their car, and they're looking in the rearview mirror as they're trying to drive forward, and it doesn't usually end well. And so we're going we're gonna to spend just a, a couple more weeks in this, but today's, um, I'm actually very excited about today's message. Um, you might not be in a few minutes, but anyhow, that's a whole other story. We're going to talk about forgiving those who hurt you, because we can't move past our past until we forgive those who hurt us. So let me ask, we need some audience participation today. How many of you have ever had someone who hurt you? You see your hands? Don't, don't look to the people next to you. As you do that, just raise your hand. There was only, first service, there was one. This service, there was only two people. So I'll get their names and give that to everybody else so you can all hurt them so that next time they'll be able to raise their hand and we'll all be in the same boat. See, the truth is, all of us have been hurt. We've all been hurt. Now, it might be as simple as a misunderstanding. It might just be that somebody um, <clears throat> said something in our day and age of the whole text message thing and, and Snapchat and Instagram and all that. It's so easy to misunderstand something. And you can hear something, you can read something a different way that it was said, and you can just misunderstand it. It might have been a phone call. It might have been something that was done that you misunderstood. But because of that, there's an issue. And you were hurt. And maybe it's not even valid, but your feelings are still there. You're hurt. But maybe it was something significant. Maybe you really were hurt. Maybe it was a huge betrayal by somebody. Maybe it was someone that you cared for, someone that you love, someone that you put your trust in. They betrayed you. And they hurt you. Someone hurt you. And you're wounded. And I know for, for many of you here, maybe, maybe it's just like right at the front of your heart and very painful, and you're sitting there, thanks, Tim, I'm really glad I came to church today. I, I had forgotten about that today, and you reminded me of it, because it's a, a fresh and painful wound. But sometimes what we do is we hide it. We bury it in the back of our heart, kind of just so that we can function. And we put it back there, and we think that it's all hidden away until something triggers it. Maybe a family reunion, maybe a, a meeting you go to, maybe just a get-together. Something happens, somebody says something, somebody shows up, somebody does something, and it triggers it, it sparks it, and the anger is there, and the bitterness is there, and sometimes we say things we shouldn't. You've been at a place where somebody else has done that, and they've said something, and from our perspective, it's like out of the blue, it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? It was hidden for a while, and something brought it out. Here's what it says in Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, and, and I'm going to even look at that for the moment, when we come together like this, when we're together, when we're a, a, a body of Christ and we're a family, you stand praying. If you hold, and I, I love the way Jesus did this. There, there's no loopholes here. If you hold anything against anyone, what does it say? forgive him. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. But then the next part is, is the scariest part. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. We read that and it's like, whoa, we're going to get to that. I know that every single person listening to this right now 
has something. You have something, you have things, you have stuff that's gone on. There's been hurts, there's been things that happen, and, and we all do. And you might look at someone else's and go, well, that's nothing. Or you might look at someone else's and goes, wow, how are they even standing? The thing is, when we're going through it, when we are experiencing the pain, pain is pain. And, and you might not have experienced what someone else did, but what you did hurt. I want to give you just a brief example of that. I was, I was a youth pastor at a church. This is in another state. This is over 30 years ago. I was a youth pastor in a church, and I worked, Jewel and I both did this together, worked full-time, put in about 40 or 50 hours a week, and the pay was phenomenal. We got zero. Um, I had a full-time job. She had a full-time job. And we both worked full-time at this ministry. It was kind of funny because we got to this church, and they had like four kids in their youth ministry. It was a big church, you know, a couple hundred through 400 people, but they only had four kids in their youth ministry. And um, we were just going to kind of go in incognito. We had had some bad experiences in church. And we're just going to kind of go in and, and rest and, and, and heal. And I think we were there half hour before somebody realized that we had been doing youth ministry, that, you know, gone to Bible college. Could you just help with the youth group, is what they said. It's like, fine, we'll, we'll come next week and we'll help out. And then when we got there, the people who were doing it resigned, and so we were stuck with it. But God did something amazing. And in about a year and a half, it went from four kids to about 75 because over 60 kids had come to know Jesus. Not church kids, just kids from school had come to the stuff, they'd met Jesus, great things were happening, we were putting time in, the, the promise was that we were going to be on staff there, everything was cool, we were just having the time of our lives, until we discovered that the leadership of the church, the people that I trusted, the people that I had, it's like all my eggs are in this basket, here's what we're going to do, they had been lying to us, they had been talking about us behind our back to people, well, you shouldn't do that to anybody, but to people they shouldn't have been. And the things they were saying were not true. The things that were going on behind our back, and it's like, I'd, I don't even know if we can, I have to go, but I don't even want to go to church anymore. And Julie didn't want to go because she knows what they've been saying. And I will never forget coming to church, standing there. I'm supposed to be worshiping with everybody and praying. And, and what's in my heart is not that. I'm thinking of the betrayal of people that I trusted. I'm thinking of the things that had happened. And it was, it was so clear that God said, you've been forgiven, right? I said, yeah. He said, then aren't you supposed to forgive? I like, well, yeah, but not in this case. Do you know what they did? You know, I mean, I didn't say it out loud. It was been awkward in church to say that out loud. But I'm having this discussion with God. And I had, it was unsettled for me. And I discovered that because it was unsettled for me, it was affecting so much of my life. So I couldn't change what anybody else had done, and I couldn't change what they were about to do. I could only change me. And so I began what, for me, became a process of learning how to forgive that I didn't know how much I would need that in the years to come, but of learning how to forgive. And so in that process of learning, God did some just amazing things. One of the things he did in, in his grace was brought back a whole bunch of things from my memory that I had to now forgive. <laughs> it's like, thanks, I'm still working on this one. But it was a thing that I had to learn. And you say, that's, that's good, that's good, that's, that's cute, Tim. 
you don't know what someone did to me. And the truth is, I don't. I know a lot of your stories. I've heard stories since I've been in Pine City that have just broken my heart. And, and I understand the gravity of those situations, and I understand the significance and seriousness of those situations. And when you say, you don't know what someone did to me, I don't. God does, but I don't. But you say, yeah, someone gossiped against me, and that's bad. Maybe it ruined my reputation in the community. Maybe it hurt this relationship or did that. But maybe you say, I had a, a loved one killed by a drunk driver. That's way different. Or you're one of the ones who said, yeah, my spouse cheated on me. Or someone that I greatly trusted lied right to my face. Or maybe you're one of the ones that would say, my dad abandoned me. And maybe even worse, you would say that there's someone who hurts someone I love. Sometimes that's far worse than us being hurt ourselves, that someone hurts someone that you love. On your outline, there's a question there. The first question has a line by it that says, who hurt you? Now, it's possible that you can write that down right now. It's possible you can't. Maybe you can't spell their name. Maybe they're sitting next to you. Well, for whatever reason, you don't want to write it down right now. I want you to think of that answer, though. Who hurt you? And maybe, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is, I don't have enough paper. I need more lines. I just want you to start with one. I want you to think of one, and it, can, it could be literally anything. It can just be someone at work. For some of you, it's going to be a mom or dad. Maybe it's a close friend or a husband or wife. Maybe, maybe some of you are bitter at God. And you wouldn't say that out loud, but it's like, mm, what he did makes me mad. And you're bitter at him. You can't forgive him. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one that you can't forgive. But here's the good news. It's the power of God. What is impossible with us is possible with Him. And you say, there is no way I can do this. I cannot forgive you. I think it was at this point in the first service, somebody's phone went off. And the tune that was playing on the phone was, how can I forgive when I can't forget? <laughs> it's like, really? That's what your ringtone is? <laughs> and some of you, that's what you're thinking. I can't do this. You can't, but God can do it through you. You can learn to forgive. And here's what I've discovered whenever I talk about forgiveness. The first thing, the first question people ask is this, why? Why do I have to forgive? Why should I forgive? There's actually many, many reasons. I'm just going to look at two biblical reasons today. There's many more, but just two biblical reasons today that I hope will resonate a little bit with you. Here's the first reason why you should forgive. Because unforgiveness hurts me. And you should be thinking you, not me. Unforgiveness hurts you, but it hurts me. And it's very real. Hebrews 12 15, I love the way it, the Hebrews 12 explains or, or describes uh, this process. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, which that's the preface of the whole thing is all forgiveness is about grace, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. 
You see, that's what happens. We talked about maybe yours is right on the surface of your heart and it's painful. It's just happened or you can't let it go and you don't know how to live with it. But sometimes in order to learn to deal with it, people have pushed that way down in and thinking it's all good now because I pushed it down in. Nobody knows about it. And the problem is you've just planted something. And whenever you plant something, it grows. And this is going to grow into something you don't want it to grow into. It's a bitter root, it said. It grows up, it causes trouble, and defiles many. Not just you, but those around you. Because it's, it's festering there. In the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about it's the love chapter, and you hear it at all kinds of weddings and stuff. You know, love never fails. You know, one of the things that it says about love is, is love keeps no record of wrongs. Bitterness, on the other hand, keeps detailed records, doesn't it? It may not be right. It may not be accurate, but they're detailed. And it rehearses them, and it goes over them. And it keeps them down in here where nobody knows, and we think... We're hiding it. And in reality, it's like a cancer. It's, it's growing inside. No one can see it at first, but what comes out is not going to be good. It says it causes trouble and defiles many, and it can mess you up for decades. Author Anne Lamott, I don't agree with everything she says or stands for, but I learned a long time ago, um, my only Latin, veritas e veritas. Truth is truth doesn't matter who says it. Truth is truth. Here's what she said. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. That's what we do. I'll get you. I'll drink this poison. <laughs> and it does nothing that we want it to do. You see, I know that many of you are sitting here thinking, if I could get out of here right now, I would, because I don't want to hear about this. This is an important thing. I know some of you are thinking, I was just going to get up and go to the bathroom, and now I can't because they'll think I'm leaving. It's part of my plan. <laughs> I, want, I want to be serious, but I also want to keep it light a little bit. I think I'm going to try this alone. I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to try it alone, Mike. Um, because I, I try to think of a way that I could talk to some of you that you would understand the whole anger thing. I'm not going to throw a box at you or anything, but I'm going to show you something, and I want to see a show of hands. How many of you know what this is? Raise your hand if you know what this is. Say it. Shout it out. It's an Angry Bird. How many of you have ever played Angry Birds? Okay. It was free. That's why I played it. I loved it. I never completely understood it. It's like they hated the pigs. You're angry at the pigs. And they would get shot at the pigs. And what would happen when they get shot at the pigs? What would they do? They would explode. That's like the stupidest thing ever. I know this is not an angry bird pig, but it, it, it's a pig. It's just not an angry... It's close enough, though. It's close enough. And what they would do is they would be in these places that they could hide from. So you, you're in a bad spot right there, I'm telling you right now. Because here's what would happen in the angry birds game. They would get a slingshot... You know how you're always supposed to practice things that you do? Yeah! <laughs> now, 
If that, if that would have been the Angry Birds game, it would have been even worse for them in the front because the bird explodes. They hurt themselves. See, this whole thing is about anger. Because there's a whole bunch of little kids in the background that are angry that I took their blocks. They're like, <laughs> where's my blocks? <laughs> I'll get them back to them. Don't worry. We're like the angry birds sometimes where we're mad We may or may not know why. It may or may not be legitimate. But in the process of not forgiving, we hurt ourselves. So first reason, it's very basic, might even be a little selfish. Unforgiveness hurts me. And and it's it's not just in those ways. It's like physical ways as well. Um, we, we, We swallow that. And we think we're hiding it from everybody. And what it can cause in terms of disease for our body is real. Because we're not designed to do that. But that's the first reason. Unforgiveness hurts me. Next reason, because, and this is a biggie, I'll need forgiveness again. I'll need forgiveness again. Now, if you know Jesus... If you're a follower of Jesus and you've crossed that line from unbelief to belief and you say, I don't understand it all, but I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins and I believe it, I'm believing into Jesus, I'm receiving him as my Lord and Savior and you become a follower of Jesus, something that's almost more amazing than anything in the universe happens, you get forgiven. And you say, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but he does and he died for that. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus died for that so that you could be forgiven. And the truth is, I will need forgiveness again. Because I've walked with Jesus for over 40 years now. And guess what? I still screw up every single day. And I need forgiveness. I want to read a verse for you, a couple verses. A little scary. Just like the one we read earlier. Matthew 6, Jesus says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's like, whoa, what? We're going to explain that in a bit, but that's scary. This isn't the only time Jesus talks about this. He tells many stories to get his point across. And one of the stories involved this rich guy. He had servants. And one of his servants, if you read the story, it says his servant owed him 10,000 talents. And if you're just reading through the Bible, you say, 10,000 talents. I don't know what that means. I have a couple talents. I can juggle. You know, that's about it. But 10,000? Here's what a talent is. In that day, they didn't have bills. You know, they had coins. It was the most valuable, the largest in terms of value denomination that they had. And 10,000 talents in today's dollar would be more than $2 billion. It's like 150,000 years of wage. (laughs) Over $2 billion. This servant somehow owed this rich master over $2 billion. The guy said, pay up. And he begged, and he begged, and he begged, and he begged. And finally, the master forgave his debt. And it's like, whoa. 
He's clean. He's forgiven. Walks out the door, goes down the steps, runs into someone he knows, another servant, who owes him some money. And the Bible says, owes him a hundred denarii. A denarius, I don't even know how they say it. That was a day's wage for like a common worker, you know, slave kind of person. So a hundred days wage, that's still a lot, but it ain't two billion dollars. So right after being forgiven of this debt, he goes down, sees his buddy and says, pay up. The guy does the same thing he just did, begs. I will pay you back. I will do everything I can to pay you back, please. He takes him and he throws him into debtor's prison to be tortured so that he can pay the debt back. The master, meanwhile, back at the palace, finds out what this guy did. That's where we pick up the story in Matthew 18. Then the master called that servant in. You wicked servant. Those are not the first three words you want to hear from your boss. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? The answer is, of course, yes. Because you've been forgiven, you should forgive. And it says, verse 34, the the story is scary. In anger... His master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he is owed. Now, if you're working for a daily wage, and a daily wage would take 150,000 years to pay back $2 billion, how, how much do you think you're making in jail being tortured? Probably not a big hourly wage. That guy's still working. He's still in jail working. <laughs> it just feels like it. But that's not the scariest part of the story. Here's how Jesus finishes the story. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And I read that and it's like, oh. See, you might be like me because I contend to say that I absolutely love God's mercy. I want God's mercy might not always want to give it to others. And maybe I've been forgiven, but I'm not as quick to forgive others as I should. Just so that you know the context and what we're talking about here, it's important that we've looked at three passages now that talked about this forgiveness thing. Um, Mark 11 said this, and when you stand praying, you hold anything against anyone. Remember it said, forgive him. Interesting in that, that, that the form of that word implies something to us, and it implies not just forgive him. He did something wrong. Forgive him. The way that, that Mark used this is the, the form of this says, it, you, you forgive him. This is your new lifestyle on a regular basis. This is going to mark you from now on. You're going to forgive people. He says, you forgive him. You continually do that so that your Father in heaven, Jesus said, may forgive your sin. uses a completely different thing there. It's forgive. It's a point like a checkoff. You think of a checklist. 
He's saying, you forgive now as a lifestyle so that right now, right here, where you stand, your Father will forgive you. Because what this is about, you see, God's forgiveness of sin is not based on you forgiving others. If you're a follower of Jesus, a Christian's forgiveness is based on you realizing you have been forgiven. That's where it starts. What these passages are talking about is personal salvation. Not personal salvation. Personal fellowship with God. Not salvation from sin. Because the truth is, the Bible says, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just, will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We, we can be forgiven. But when we don't forgive others, on a daily basis, that forgiveness stops and our fellowship stops and our fellowship with God is hindered because we haven't been forgiving. This is all about fellowship and the lack of it that you'll have with God when you refuse to forgive others. I have had more people than I can count come to me and said, I just, I, this thing with God is just not working well. It's like I'm, my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. It's like he's not hearing me. It's like I can't feel him. It's not, it's, there's, and they go on and on. And we discover that most of the time there's some kind of unforgiveness there because they've been forgiven, but they're not forgiving someone else. So why do we forgive? First, it's really bad for us if we don't. Physically, emotionally, every other way. It hurts us. And second, it's really important to forgive because God says, if I forgive others, He'll forgive me. That's how big a deal this is. So, probably at some point, most of you, if you're Christians, you're probably going to say, I know I should forgive. I just don't know how. Because you're saying, how do I forgive someone who ripped my heart out? How do I do that? How do I forgive someone who for years did whatever to me? How do I forgive someone who hurt somebody that I love? How do I do that? If I'm supposed to do it, how do I do it? I'd like to give you a couple thoughts, a couple scriptures that I pray will speak into your heart, that they'll begin to plant the right seed in your heart, that to begin to move you in the right direction. And as time passes and you live in obedience to this, you'll discover some things you never knew possible before. So how do I forgive someone who hurt me? Here's the first one. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now, if you're like me, what you're thinking is wrong and it's bad. Okay? This is not praying that they'll get heartburn or herpes or hemorrhoids or something like that. Okay, That's not what we're talking about. That doesn't count here. What we do is we're supposed to pray for them like Jesus prayed on the cross. We're going to talk about this late in, a, in a few weeks later on. Jesus had seven things to say from the cross, and one of them is just mind-blowing. The people are crucifying him. They're spitting at him. He's hanging on a cross. He looks down at them. And you know what he says? Father, forgive them. So when Jesus here says, pray for those who persecute you, when he does that, he understands. It says in Matthew 5, I love when Jesus does this. You've heard that it was said. He'll start with, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Now, the Bible says love your neighbor. doesn't really say hate your enemy. But that's what they said to each other. And this kind of resonated with them because when Jesus said, you've heard that it said love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And they're thinking, yeah. Because the, the, the non-Jewish listeners, you know, the Roman listeners, um, the Romans actually worshipped revenge as one of their gods. That was a big deal to them. And, and you look at the Jewish law, what they were thinking is an eye for, and it says it, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. That's what it's about. Yeah, love your, your neighbor and hate your enemy. And then verse 44, Jesus did what he did so often. I love it. He turned everything upside down. But I tell you, this is what you've heard, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That is totally foreign to them and to us. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, what most people, most people will hear this and what they'll be thinking is, yeah, I don't want to. I, and here's what, here's what we really say. I don't feel like it. And that's true. We don't feel like it. But here's what you need to understand. We don't feel our way into actions. We act our way into feelings. You can't just say, I feel this way. I'm going to change the way I feel. You don't do... You can't. It's how you feel. But you can change your actions. You can put your action first, and then the attitude follows. I had a seminary professor, and I'm sure he had a good relationship with his wife, but what he said was, every day before I leave for the office, I kiss my wife goodbye. He says, sometimes I don't mean it. But it catches up later. It's all good. <laughs> he was acting his way into the feeling because he was thinking about other things on the way out or whatever. And you know what? Often what we can do is we can just do the right thing because right actions can trigger right feelings. And we just do it not because we feel it, but because it's right. Here's what I know. If you wait for the feeling, you're probably going to wait forever. I'll forgive them when, when I feel like I should forgive them. You'll never feel like you should forgive them. Someday it will be too late and you'll regret it. And in the meantime, you're the one who suffered because unforgiveness hurts us. So we don't wait for the feeling. We take action and the feeling will follow and we pray for those who hurt us. I, I know what it is to do this and it's not easy. When I first started doing this so many decades ago, I remember I almost felt a little guilty, but it's like, fine, God, I'll do this. Bless him. That was it. And I meant it about that much. But you know what? The more I did that, the more I meant it. And I got to the point where what I didn't know was in the years to come, there would be things that happened in my life that I had to know how to forgive. And I had to know how to do it so that it didn't take decades to happen. And I had to learn to get past that. And I did that by starting by just saying, bless him. But I began to pray for those people. And it was hard at first. You don't want to pray, bless him, but not too much. You know, don't give him nice stuff. You know, don't make his life really good. Because you know that when you have that, that bitterness against someone, often what happens to them seems to be all good. It's like, what's up with that? It's because you don't see the whole picture. And so we're not praying for bad things. We're praying for good things for them. He said, bless those who persecute you because that's what Jesus did. So that's what we figure out how to do. And here's what I've discovered in the years of doing that. 
My prayer for other people may not change them, but it always changes me. It always changes me because I'm the only one that I'm responsible for that I can actually make a change. And when I pray for them, it changes me. So we pray for those who hurt us. That's the first thing. The second thing, how do we do this? Number two, forgive as you've been forgiven. Forgive as you've been forgiven. This is, this is a biggie to keep in mind. Colossians, um, the, Bible, the authors of the Bible all knew that it wasn't always going to be a bed of roses and we get together and everything's not always perfect and sweet. And I love Colossians 3.13. It starts like this. Bear with each other. <laughs> because sometimes that's as good as it gets. But we need to bear with other people because there's going to be times and they're going to have to bear with us. But we do that. We bear with each other and what? Forgive. We forgive whatever grievances we may have against one another. And how? It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, that's what we forget. We're like the servant that just got forgiven 10,000 talents. And somebody comes and has this thing that they they hurt us, and we're not going to forgive them. They're going to debtor's prison to be tortured because we forget what we were forgiven. I like... Um, I, I always like reading about uh, Peter in the New Testament. Um, his story after Jesus rose and, and what he did is just his co- accomplishments are mind-boggling. But I can relate to him before that happened quite a bit. He was uh, Peter had foot-in-mouth disease. I don't know if you knew that. Every time he opened his mouth, he stuck his foot in it. But there was one time Peter, and, and I'm pretty sure he was saying this. I, kinda, I know him a little bit. And I'm pretty sure he was saying this in order for everybody to look at him and go, whoa. Because the Jewish tradition at that time was when somebody hurt you and you forgave them and they hurt you again, you would forgive them again. When they hurt you again, you would forgive them a third time. And after that, you didn't have to anymore. And so Peter goes to Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone who hurts us? Like seven times? And I'm sure he's thinking, I'm pretty sure that's like the perfect number. And Jesus is going to think I'm pretty amazing. And Jesus said, well, not really. Seventy times seven. That's 490. You math challenged people. And Peter's thinking, oh, I'm on like 43 now. The point is not to count. What Jesus is saying is keep on forgiving. We just keep on forgiving. Now, I know some of you... You're going through a hurt that not everybody can fathom. Somebody who's in a relationship where, for instance, the husband is physically abusing them. And they say, am I supposed to keep forgiving and be in this relationship and hang in there and keep forgiving? And you know what the answer is? No. Because if the dog keeps biting you, you don't have to pet the dog anymore. All right? If you're in that kind of a situation, you need to get out. You need to get to a safe place. You you know, talk to some people at church here. We have some guys here who are not really super far along in their walk with Jesus, and they'll do just about anything for 50 bucks. So you just come to us and we'll... (laughs) I'm joking, but 
Not really. <laughs> See, here's the principle. The forgiven, forgive. The forgiven, forgive. It might mean you need to distance yourself from that situation. It might mean you need to get away from that situation, but that doesn't mean that you can't forgive. The forgiven forgive others. And here's what happens. Here's what we eventually discover when, when we take that truth to heart and we, from the heart, forgive people who have hurt us. We realize we have just set a prisoner free. But we realize the prisoner was us. We're the ones who were hurting. They might not have even known it. I know many people have said, I went to so-and-so and said, I forgive them. They said, what? I didn't do anything. And they've been fine for all these years. You might be in a position like I am where there's people that you needed to forgive and they're dead. That's not convenient. It's not very nice. I wanted to forgive you. You're dead. That's not working well for me. You see, here's what it is. You can forgive somebody who's dead. You can forgive somebody without talking to them. You can forgive somebody even if you can't write a letter to them. Maybe there's a, there's a situation where you should not have contact with them. It doesn't mean you can't forgive them because you're forgiving them from your heart. And maybe what you're doing is you're holding bitterness you're holding anger. You're holding some unforgiveness. As we said, it might be for someone who hurts you in some way. It might even be towards God. It might be yourself. And you say, how in the world? I, you can't forgive God. He never does anything wrong. You know what forgiveness is? It's very important. Here's what forgiveness is. Choosing to live with the consequences of someone else's behavior. That's forgiveness. Choosing to live with the consequences of someone else's behavior. So you're angry at God. You're going to choose to live with the consequences of his behavior, and someday you're going to realize, oh, he was right. But maybe the person you hurt, that hurt you was wrong. And you say, no, no, we're not letting them off the hook. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is letting them off your hook. It's not letting them off God's hook. That's his thing. He will do what he needs to do. That's not your thing. All you can do is let them off your hook. And it's probably not going to happen like that. It's probably going to be a process. I understand fully what it is to say that multiple times a day, every day, day in and day out for a long time until eventually you, you really do mean it. And you really do believe and you really have let them off your hook. And what normally happens is you realize, now I feel bad for them. I'm free. That's what it's about. And the truth is, none of us will ever have to forgive anybody else to the extent that God forgave us. So we forgive as we're forgiven. And when we do that, the prisoner gets set free. And usually the prisoner is us. I'd like you to bow your heads as we get ready to close. Father, I know that there's, there's people here who are, they are struggling with 
incredible things, legitimate hurts. Maybe some of them are still right on the surface of their heart. And they don't know how they could ever forgive that person. I pray, Father, that if they know you, if they walk with you, if they are followers of Jesus, that they would be able to realize that by praying for them, they can forgive them as they are forgiven. And that for those things that have been stuffed down for so long, that they would realize it might take a little bit, but I am going to be free of that. And I'm going to be free of that by following what Jesus said. I'm going to make sure my relationship with God is what it, sh- what it should be because I'm going to have a clean slate with other people. And Father, I know there's people listening to this that they might understand church, they might understand the whole religion thing and think they got it all nailed, but there's been some hurt and some pain and some stuff in their background that keeps them from, from leaning into that. I pray that today they would realize it's not about church. It's not about religion. It's about coming to know you personally because you, you came and you lived and you died for us. The wages of sin is death, and you paid that price. So that by believing in and receiving you, placing our faith into Jesus, we could be forgiven. We could stand clean before God. We could have our past forgiven. We could discover meaning and purpose for life today without that that baggage and pain from the past. And we could have a living hope for the future. So, Father, my prayer is anybody who doesn't know you, that in simple faith, they would turn to you today and say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. And I know it's bad, but I'm going to trust that what you did paid for my sin. I'm placing my life in your hands. I'm trusting you as my Savior and as my Lord. I want to follow you. And that that is the, the first step in an amazing journey. That together, as we walk that together, we can become more like your son Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here in us and through us. Do this work in us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. It says, your love is greater, your love is stronger. It was great enough and strong enough to handle anything. And you know what? His love is great enough and strong enough to handle that person who hurt you too. It's through his power that you can be free from that. Don't shoot the messenger. Job 5.2. Resentment kills a fool. And envy slays the simple. You don't want to be in that boat. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's how we can experience freedom. And you know what? You're opening the door for that person to experience God's freedom as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, love so vividly demonstrated when you came and died for us paid the price for our sin, that by believing you, by receiving you as our Savior, placing our faith and trust into you, we could become children of God. We could become followers of you. We could allow you to conform us to the image of your Son so that we're no longer conformed to this world, but that you can change the way we think.
the way we live, the way we move. Father, thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.